Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Good Friday service. If we're honest with ourselves, as we live in the times that we live in today, and we're looking at all the things that are happening around us, the fighting, the pandemic, the segregation, the conflict, it's hard not to ask the question, is God really with us? Is God really with us in this mess? Does he know what we're going through, what we face? Does he see our struggles? Does he even care, if we're honest? When we look at what we're celebrating this weekend, this Easter weekend, and particularly tonight with Good Friday, Good Friday answers this question. God doesn't keep himself at a safe distance, regardless of how we feel, but rather God keeps himself close through his son Jesus. That God gave us his son to enter into our mess, to take on the diseases, to take on the segregation, the conflict, the fighting. God knows firsthand what we're going through. If you're here and you're new, I just want you to hear that God sees you, that God hears you, that he wants to enter into this, the same very place of struggle with you and to take it on and to heal you and change you. So tonight, I want to take a look at three different characters that were involved in the events leading up to Jesus' death on the cross. We will take this from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14 and 15, but I also want to take some time tonight to create some space, moments of silence for us to reflect, moments of silence to examine ourselves. Because when we celebrate Easter, it's an opportunity for us to come into a place of healing, to come into a place of change. Jesus brought change, change that is lasting, Change that gives hope, change that gives life. In the chaos and the uncertainty of the world, he gives us a place to stand. I hope tonight to remind us in how these events not only change the way that we live, but the way we face our adversities. But remind us, but also remind us of how this very moment transforms what drives us in what we live for. The Easter story is an opportunity for transformation, and it starts with Jesus' death. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the cross. As we come before you today to remember what you've done to walk through the emotions that the people were going through. Lord, allow us to know who you are. Allow us to be able to remember what you've done. That we are here today, we are not alone. So Father God, we just pray for your spirit to come. That in our moments of remembering, that we're able to see you. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a quick summary of the events. 
for those that are not familiar with the story. The story is the pinnacle of the good news. It's what we, it's what we call the gospel. The gospel of God is the good news. It's the way that God redeems all mankind by giving up his son as the ultimate sacrifice so that we do not need to face death. Jesus begins with getting ready for the Passover. This is the festival that is celebrated during the time of Jesus' death. In that before he surrenders himself to the cross, Jesus and his disciples share in a meal in which in the church is known as the Last Supper. From that point, Jesus is betrayed by Judas denied by Peter, and turned over to Pilate to be delivered to the cross. It is on this cross on which Jesus died in fulfillment of God's ultimate plan, which secured the salvation of all mankind. So the first character I want to look at starts at the Passover dinner. In Mark 14, there's two characters, Judas Iscariot and Peter, two which are both disciples of Jesus. Mark 14 says this. Then Jesus Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. This is the setup. This is the setup where Judas is ready to betray Jesus. As they came to the Passover table, it says this, And as they were reclined at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, "Is, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve. One who is dipping bread into the dish with me, for the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Imagine being Judas in that moment. Hearing those words of Jesus. Was there any chance where Judas was thinking this may not be the best idea? Was there any moment where Judas was feeling nervous? Is it worth the money that he was promised? And then there's Peter. So it says, And when they had sung in him after the Passover dinner, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike, up, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they, they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. As the story unfolds, this is is the point in which the words are backed by action. It says, and immediately while he was still speaking, this is after Jesus is prayed at in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. 
And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of, of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out against a robber with swords and club to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warm, warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out in, into the getaway, and the rooster crowed, and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystander, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystander again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the roaster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Here we have two disciples of Jesus having followed him for the past couple of years, past three years, but not just following him. They lived, they ate, they slept with him. They learned from him, watched him perform miracles. Truly to be one of the few that was able to live and breathe the presence of God. And yet here we are. We may be in a similar place where we have followed Jesus for a long time. And we would say we would never run away from Jesus. Or worse, we could never betray him. But if we're honest, like when Jesus was arrested and all his disciples left him. When we're faced with a difficult situation. Or maybe sometimes even smaller difficulties. Do we run away to find some other solutions? Do we run to our friends for advice? Do we, instead of going to prayer, do we run away to go into problem solving instead of running towards our Lord? We are no different. Have we denied Jesus by running away and trying to figure out things on our own? Once, twice, three times. I want to take a moment right now just for a moment of reflection and just ask God to show me the way that I run away and deny you or in which I betrayed you. The second character I want to bring before you tonight is Marcus Pontius Pilate. Starting in Mark 15, it says this, and as soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea under the Roman Empire. He was known to negotiate with brute force and often threatening the lives of those who tried to go against him. 
In fact, Pilate, at the end of his life, was called to execution by the emperor by the, by the emperor through suicide because of his cruelty and oppression and, and executing men without trial. Here we see Pilate questioning Jesus, yet Jesus didn't defend himself. He was silent. The charge against Jesus was that he called himself, was that Jesus called himself the king of Jews. And in Roman law, anyone that calls himself king was grounds for treason. In the same account, in Matthew, Pilate was warned by his wife to release Jesus. So Pilate is at a loss of what to do. Are we sometimes lost in what we are to do? What we are to believe? Are we, do we struggle between our faith and what the world and the world that we live in? Do we fail to reconcile the two together sometimes and become and start to become tossed back and forth in who we see Jesus to be. Take a moment to ask God to show me the moments in which you, fa- you are faced with where you sat at a crossroad not knowing what to do. Now at the feast, he used, he's used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked, And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of Jew? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered them, him to be crucified. Pilate could find no fault and knew Jesus was innocent and that it was out of the envy of the chief priest that he was being tried. Jesus had done nothing wrong, but it is for that that this very reason why Jesus is a perfect sacrifice for you and me. You and me who have fallen short, Jesus is a perfect sacrificial lamb. Jesus was condemned so that we wouldn't be condemned. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Do you feel condemned? Do you feel shame? Take a moment to find those places of shame and condemnation in your life. Jesus came to the cross so that he will be the one who is condemned and shamed. His body was broken and bled out to pay the price for our shame and our condemnation. Mark 14, Jesus instituted the Last Supper in saying this, and as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it, 
And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in the drink it new in the kingdom of God. As Jesus instituted this special act for the church, it is a memorial to this event in which Jesus establishes a new covenant through his death on the cross. The bread representing his broken body and the cup in which represents the blood in which death is necessary. For it is the cost of what our sins are. Jesus takes on our our condemnation. He takes on our shame and he gives us his righteousness. Every moment we took and every moment we took to reflect tonight comes down to this moment. That all guilt, all shame, all condemnation is taken away. That when we come to the cross to the Last Supper, we are reminded that we are free and we live free from these things because of that. As you entered today, you received a communion cup, and we're going to do communion together. Jesus took up the bread, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body, the body of Christ. In the same way, he said, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. This is the new covenant that Jesus established for us. The blood of Jesus. The last character I want to look in is an unnamed woman. But this unnamed woman will help us frame the Good Good Friday story. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me for you always... Have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, that she has done, what she has done will be told in memory of her. This unnamed woman. We don't know who she is. Knew that Jesus was the most important thing to her. When we look at the way we live our lives, are we willing to give Jesus our best? Jesus is at the house of Simon the leper. And this woman anoints Jesus with with what we assume is everything 
that she has. You see, in those days, women were not allowed to purchase land. So women invested in things like ointment and jewelry and precious metals and stones, things of value that can be resold. So this was her savings account. This flash of ointment that is pure is very, very expensive and was said that could be sold for more than 300 denarii to put this in perspective. A common worker's one day's wage was one denarii. That means this jar is about a year's worth of wages. It was so extravagant that the disciples scolded her and said, we could use this to feed the poor. But what was the disciples really criticizing? That the money was better used elsewhere? Jesus said, leave her alone because he knew her heart. She knew this was the last chance that she could do this. She knew that this was the last chance that she could do anything for the person of Jesus. She gave her best. She knew this was worth it. Her act of pouring out is an act of worship. She didn't worry about what it meant because she knew who Jesus was. And because of that, he is deserving of all her worship. Her heart was transformed by the good news that is to come. The gospel that will be fulfilled by what Jesus was about to put himself through. It meant that she was to live where worry, anxiety, shame, guilt, conflict, and suffering, and all of these things that she knows that because of what Jesus is going to do, that there's always hope. Because we have something to hope in. What we hold on to the most is what we worship the most. What do you hold on to? Is it your husband, your wife, your children, your money, your career, your success, your fame? What do you put all your time, energy, and finances into? This unnamed woman will always be remembered for this act of worship, where all her possessions, everything she probably had, was poured onto Jesus her heart was pure worship. She emptied her bank account knowing who Jesus is and knowing who to put her hope and trust in. What this woman did framed out what Good Friday is about. It is about worship. That even as the events unfolded had many flaws of in, in, in terms of character that Jesus still covers it all so that we can always come back to worship. Our everyday lives in preaching the gospel to ourselves is a complete worship of who we are. What this woman did is, a, is to remind us to worship Jesus. In Christ alone, our hope is found. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you we thank you for these characters that are in the Bible that give us the perspective that we need as we remember on this Good Friday. So, Father God, when we come in remembrance, may we lift our worship unto you. May we set our hearts facing you. May we set our, our posture and our joy 
unto you. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe we did tonight exactly what God wanted us to do, which was to remember that night, the sequence of events. We visited Jesus tonight at the Last Supper. We visited him as he was being tried. We visited him as he was being betrayed. We visited him as the alabaster was broken over him. And we get the great occasion to celebrate on Sunday his resurrection. But you know, the early church, they did not know what was going to happen. That was the death nail. They had no idea that there was going to be a resurrection Sunday. They thought that Jesus, who was coming to restore Israel, to bring salvation to the world, that it was all over. And so there is a, a deep, deep mourning that the early church went through. And all the more, the exhilaration when Jesus came forth from the tomb. So we get the extra blessing of knowing how the story ends, but the early church didn't. And I feel like what Pastor John did for us tonight was so powerful that we got to experience the, the real feelings and the emotions of all that happened. So Jesus, we just come before you tonight and we're in awe of all that you went through and all that you did. We thank you for just the recounting of the words and the reading of scripture, how it impacts our soul and it takes us to that deep place that you want us to experience. And Lord, we look forward to Sunday and we pray, God, there will be jubilation around the world and that that jubilation wouldn't just be a false jubilation, but people truly understanding that a spirit of revelation would come and that worship would break forth even as the, the woman that broke the vial over you, she was already prophesying of something great that was to come forth. So God, tonight we thank you for these scriptures. We thank you for the message. We thank you for your Holy Spirit for making it real, that it's not a fable. This is true. This is what happened. And so God, we give you thanks tonight in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.